You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Mark chapter number 16, looking at verses 1 through 14. I was going to skip part of these, but I, I feel they're too important to leave them out. So Mark chapter four, uh, 16, verses 1 through 14. If you don't have your Bible, you can look along with us on the screen, but it's important that you see what the text sees or says. And so uh, follow along with us, starting in verse number 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. They said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they had looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen, and he is not here. He is risen, and he is not here. Come see the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. They went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, and there trembled, and they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them who had been with him. And they mourned and they wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. And that after that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it into the residue. Neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them that their, about their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Will you go back and pay closely attention to verse number 13 and 14 with me, please? And they went and told it unto the residue, meaning the rest of the disciples, neither believed they them. And verse number 14, afterward Jesus, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. This morning, I want to minister. I know resurrection of Christ, and I always try to, to look at that and take note. And we are this morning. But specifically in my spirit, in my heart, I want to minister for a moment this thought. The struggle to believe. The struggle to believe. Now, I hope that it touches your heart this morning. And relates to you today. Will you bow your head and will you pray that God would help me to minister today? Father, I love you this morning and I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be here this morning, Lord, to minister your already anointed word. I thank you for every single individual that's here, God, for you're an individual God. And I thank you for every individual that's here and every family that's represented. I pray that you would minister to the individual heart, that you would prick their heart, and that you would draw them closer to you. 
God, open our ears to properly hear, our hearts to receive, and Lord, anoint my lips to deliver this already anointed word, and I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody says, Amen. i got to start this way, and I'll get to the text, I promise you, this morning, but from the very moment that man fell in the garden, we were separated from God by sin. There are two very important things that happen that we need to take note of. The first thing that is very vital is that God made a plan that through the seed of a woman, our last representative man, would come one that would be able to crush the head of the serpent, to put away or to take away the sins of the world and to bring us back into a right and a proper relationship with the Lord. See, God was not satisfied with anybody, anybody at all, being separated from Him. And not for one moment. We see the fall in chapter number 3 and immediately in chapter 3 and verse number 15. God already had a plan to bring you and I back in relationship with Him. The second thing that we see that's very important that we need to know is even though that God had this plan, Satan didn't set back and allow the plan to unfold without a fight. And Satan began to attack that plan and to stop the seed from ever coming. Satan knew that if the seed was able to come and to live a perfect life and give his life in exchange for the death that we received when we fell out of relationship with the Lord, he knew that salvation would be made to anybody and to everybody that would believe upon this perfect sacrifice, the Son of God, that God would give to the world uh, to take away all of our sins. We look in according to the Word of God, we see 4,000 years of attack on the seed of the woman. Every Every single one of them we could look at and we could note. But what I want you to note this morning is, after every attack, Satan fell in defeat. He never won. He never conquered. But he was ended in total failure. The day would come that there would be a man by the name of Isaiah. A prophet that would stand. And he would begin to prophesy and reread about it in his letter in chapter number 7 and verse number 14 he says behold a virgin shall conceive a child and he shall be called Emmanuel God with us he was voicing and announcing as a trumpet to the world that God has not forgot his people God has not given up on mankind God has not overlooked our sin there's one coming that would be able to take away the sins of the world. That's an announcement for you today. God has not overlooked you. God has not overlooked you. God has not, I don't care who you are. God has not overlooked you. I don't care how rotten you think you are. God has not overlooked you. I don't care how deep in sin. God has not forgotten about you. I don't care how long you've been in sin. God loves you this morning. And He sent His Son to die just for you. Isaiah. It all come to pass just as Isaiah prophesied and that God told him to do that it would come to pass. A virgin by the name of Mary conceived and brought forth a son. From a little town named Bethlehem, she conceived this child. Uh, an angel visited her uh, and her husband Joseph. Uh, and everything that the angel said came to pass just as the prophet Isaiah had prophesied to them. Uh, we know that Jesus Christ walked this earth for 33 and one half years. Uh, 
We know that for 30 years, uh, at the age of 30, he started his earthly ministry as a man, but also as God. Uh, we know that when Jesus came, uh, there was never one like him that taught like him. Uh, there was never one that loved like him. Uh, there was never one that came in humbleness uh, and meekness like him. Uh, there was never one uh, that forgave like him. Uh, there was never another one that saved like him, uh, like healed like him, and delivered like him. Uh, Oh, they would ask, uh, who is this man that even the sea and the seas uh, and the winds are obeying? Uh, who is this man that's walking on water? Uh, who is this man uh, that the anointing of the Spirit of God uh, resides upon in a way like no other? I want you to know this morning, this man, he is Jesus, uh, the Son of God, uh, the, ch the true chosen one that has came to save us from our sins. That's who it is. The day come that all things were accomplished. He became our sacrifice. I preached about it last week. But a week ago, in regards to what we're celebrating today, Easter resurrection, he would command his disciples, go, there's a colt of an ass that is tied up. Go and get that colt and bring him to me. For I will ride him in the city this day. They went and done exactly like he said. He rode into the city, and as he rode into the city, they began to wave palm trees and celebrate his coming. Uh, it was just right after he would call Lazarus out of the tomb. They'd never seen anything like this before. They come, they come into the city, and they were laying their garments down so that he would tread on them in the way. They were rejoicing. Uh, they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna on the highest. Uh, they knew there was something different. They hadn't, all of them hadn't put it all together, but this man named Jesus, Jesus, he was greater than any that had ever came before. And that week, last week, he was arrested. They took him and they arrested him. They put him before Pilate. Pilate could find no fault in him at all but to please these bloodthirsty religious and yes, I said religious people. He said, I'll have him scourged first. He took him to a whipping post and tied him up and he beat him 39 stripes with a scourge that had 12 different whips. Uh, brought him back before the people but they could not be satisfied. They said, no. Uh, crucify him. Uh, crucify him. Uh, crucify him. Him. He said, how about I release another? How about Barabbas or Jesus, a robber and a murderer in your camp? How about I release Barabbas? And they chose a murderer and a robber over the Son of God. They took him. They arrested him. They beat him with a whip, a scourge. Then they placed a crown of thorns upon his head. And then they laid an old rugged cross upon his back. And then they told him to march up Galgotha's hill, the place of the skull. He carried his cross up the hill. When they got up to the top of the hill, they ripped his garment off of his back. The soldiers there were mocking. Uh, they were plucking his beard. Uh, they were saying, you saved others. Why don't you save yourself? Uh, they laid him down. Uh, they gambled over his garment. They put him on the old rugged cross. Uh, they nailed 
his hands. They nailed his feet to the cross. They raised him up high above every one in the world. A soldier came by and pierced his side and blood and water flowed out of his side. He looked up to heaven. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he said, it is finished. Everything was accomplished. Everything was done so that you and I do not have to die. Listen to what I'm saying. You don't have to die and go and spend eternity in a place called hell. He done this for you and me. The day came that all things were accomplished. <laughs> Forgive me if I reminisce just a little bit. But back when I was about 19, 20 year old, I was just a punk teenager that thought it had it all together and really didn't know anything about life. I worked hard. I made my own money at the age of 18. I moved out, bought a brand new mobile home. I don't say this braggadocious. I'm just saying because I worked hard. And because I worked hard, I thought I had everything together. My life seemingly was, was pretty good. This is in the year 98, 99. I'm driving a 95 model truck, and I am paying for my own truck, and I'm paying for my own, my own house. It was brand new. I went down there and, and picked one out, had all new appliances. I thought I was on the top of the world. Everything was coming together. And I remember pulling up at my trailer house before and thinking, uh, you know, I just, you know, uh, life is not hard. Life is easy. I got it all figured out. Uh, that was what what it looked like on the outside. Uh, but you know what Steve and God knew? Uh, we knew what was really going on on the inside. Uh, on the inside, I was bound by sin. Uh, on the inside, I had a call on my life that I didn't want to surrender to. Uh, on the inside, uh, I had things going on that nobody else knew about. When I was all alone, uh, I wasn't living for God. Uh, I was living like the rotten heathen that I was. Uh, but I want you to know this morning, uh, I remember the day that I fell flat on that purple or red carpet in my mobile home and I said my God I can't do it any longer I'll surrender to you if you'll have me back and I remember the power of the Holy Spirit filling my mobile home and the Lord regenerated me he baptized me into Jesus Christ and saved me so forgive me if I get a little excited about being born again knowing that I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb because what have you gained if you gain the world and you lose your soul? You gain nothing. I remember. That's why. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4 that Jesus has been declared to be the Son of God by the Spirit of holiness and by the resurrection of the dead. And Because He lives, we can live also. We preach the cross of Calvary. I've had people say, why don't you preach the resurrection? Well, you don't understand the cross if you're asking why I don't preach the resurrection. Because see, the resurrection proved that what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary was a finished and a complete work. It was a finished and a complete work. If he would have never rose, we wouldn't be here preaching this this morning. But he rose back from the dead proving that what he done on the cross of Calvary was final and that it was sufficient. I said it last week. I will say it one more time. On a special service such as this, I read, I pray, I try to be sensitive to the Lord and where to be. Because I, wanna, I want the mind of God, and that's what you want also. We want the mind of God. 
trying to find the mind of God and also keeping in, in mind the timing. The Easter resurrection is some, probably not for other preachers, but for me, it's not always easy to bring in that specific time and then look at what the Lord has. But the Lord always, He's been so faithful, always been able to bring something, give me something that's just for the people. It's always for me first, but something that's always for the congregation that's here. I don't believe that you're here by accident this morning. I believe that God's got something for you. I don't mean this in a boastful way, but I do mean it in a truthful way. Churches and people all across this world, they don't need a sermon that has been constructed way in a book years before. I, I, and I don't mean this in a wrong way, but even if it comes from the Word of God, we don't need a sermon. We need somebody that will ask the Lord, God, what is it that you would have me to say this morning? And my friend, if you can't get that, you shouldn't go back to that church, and I mean that here, because we, we need a message from the Lord, something that's going to be for real and something that's going to touch our heart. I want to be plain this morning, and I want to share my heart the best that I can, but in my heart, I've been brought back to verses 13 and 14. I brought back, and it's a repeated problem throughout the, word, throughout the Word. I want you to think about this this morning. The problem that the disciples, and really I could go back to Abraham, struggled to believe. No matter what they were believing for, the struggle to believe Upon Jesus and what he had promised us has always been there. And let me just go ahead and pull the pen out and bust the balloon. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care how long you've been to church or how long you've been saved. If you never struggled to believe, I gladly step away and allow you to have the pulpit and say, teach me, my friend. I need some help. But I think it'd be safe to say that we've all struggled to believe. Satan failed at stopping Jesus from coming. And his attack now is to hinder us from believing. Because everything that we receive from God is by faith. We start by faith, we walk by faith, and we will finish by faith and faith alone. And nobody is above this struggle. Paul taught, I want to explain some things just very briefly. Paul taught to the church at Corinth. He said spiritual things are not discerned or they're not determined and understood by the natural man. We live in a natural form. We live in the natural man. But spiritual things, the things of God, we have to get in tune with the Lord. We have to put our natural man off the side and allow the Lord to move upon our spirit man. We are all made up, mind, body, and spirit. Our, our body, soul, and spirit. And we connect with God by our spirit and by our soul. Spiritual things are foolish to the natural man. That's what he said. Spiritual things are foolish to the natural man. 
I've said some things this morning that everybody in here already knows. They've already heard. But natural man is who we are. Spiritual man is who we become after we're born again. But the spiritual things cannot be learned. They cannot be properly judged by the natural man. Here's the struggle. We try to justify salvation in all of the things of God in a natural sense. We're trying to make them realistic and we're trying to make them where we can grab a hold of them in a natural sense. Because the popular opinion of the world today is that if you're a good person, that you're going to heaven. But the fact of it is, according to the Word of God, being a good person will not get you to heaven. Well, that don't make a bit of sense. Well, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, the life. No man will come to the Father except through me. We have to do it the way that the Lord says. We try to justify. We try to rationalize spiritual things in a natural way. We want it to make sense. But His ways is not like our ways. His ways are so much higher than ours. Abraham done it all the way back from the beginning. God said, I'm going to give you a son, you and Sarah a son. They got to the place Abraham's 100 year old. Sarah's 90. When they started thinking about it, Sarah says, Abraham, this don't make no sense. Your body is dead. My womb is dried up. There is no way that we're going to have a child at the age of 190. Sarah says, here is a natural idea. Why don't you take my handmaid, Hagar? And maybe it's through you and Hagar that we will have a son. Abraham says, in a natural sense, that makes sense to me. So he took Hagar, and there we wound up with Ishmael. God said, that's not what I was talking about. God said, that's wrong. That's not what I was talking about at all. I said, you and Sarah. Well, God, yeah, but we're, we're, I'm 100, Sarah's 90. You know what Sarah did? She laughed. God said, why is Sarah laughing at me? She won't be laughing when she's 90 years old and thinking to have a baby. She won't be laughing then. God said, Abraham, come back to believing. I know it's been a struggle. I'm putting it in my own words. But you come back to believing. And I'm gonna have a, you're going to have a son. You and Sarah's going to have a son. And it happened. They had a son. They birthed a son by the name of Isaac. A lot of them said it can't be done. When you talk about salvation, I've sat and talked to people and they would say, come on, how can God love me while I was still a sinner? They ask questions like, why would he pay my sin debt for me? Why would he pay my sin debt for me? Why would he atone for all of my sins? Why would he go through the time of Noah's flood? Do you understand this morning that instead of going through Noah's flood, God could have wiped all of mankind out and created another man in one day and not have to wait through the flood. But he didn't do that. You know why he didn't do that? Because he saw something way down the line. If he would have killed Noah and laid him down, you and I wouldn't be here today. But he saw something in Noah that was worth salvaging. Why would God do that? In the natural sense, it doesn't make any sense at all. In the spiritual sense, uh, the love of God makes me understand he loved me too much to throw me away doesn't make sense why would God put up with rebellion for this people 
Why would God put up with them worshiping idols? Why would he allow his people? Moses is going up to have a visitation from the Lord. He comes down and Aaron and all the people have made a golden image and they're worshiping it. Why would God put up with this after he just delivered them from their bondage? Doesn't make sense. It's a struggle. In the natural man, it's a struggle. Maybe I'm the only one here this morning that struggled. In the, in the natural. I've thought, why would God put up with my ignorance? I'll stay with me and preach to me, but I'll just tell you this morning, you don't got to amen me, but God's been a whole lot better to me than what I've been to Him. I want to tell you this morning, and somebody's waiting, well, that preacher's just going to tell me because he loved me too much. Here's my answer. Because he loves you too much. And I'm going to tell you why that's my answer in just a moment. I'm not giving you a generic answer. I'm giving you a, an answer that I can back up with a text. I want to tell you why. But first, let me park here for just a moment. The struggle to believe is real. Just during this three days that Jesus is in the tomb, and the three days that he's in the tomb, I want you to think about that. We have a record here in all four Gospels. Matthew said, Peter... After he was crucified and put in a tomb, Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go fishing. He's always dead. Our time is over, in other words, is what he's saying. So I'm going to go back to my old life. The book of Mark said Jesus had to set. He upbraided them with their unbelief and the hardness of their heart, which literally means that the first thing he did was sit down and he rebuked them for not continuing to believe that on the third day he was going to be rose again. The book of Luke says that he walked with two of his disciples into the town and they didn't even know that it was him. Are you a stranger? Are you a stranger that has come? Do you not know what's happened? They didn't even know it was him because they was not looking for Jesus. No, if they would have truly believed on that third day, they would have all been sitting outside the tomb waiting for the power of God to roll that stone back. Mary and Martha run to the tomb. His own mother said when she seen the tomb open, the, his own mother said, what have you done with him? The reason she said that is because she was not believing. She struggled to believe. We can act like we don't struggle to believe, but the fact of it is we, 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 we can't deny the fact that we have struggled in one area of our faith or another or all areas of our faith. Somebody, let me tell you this this morning, and I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I'm just trying to be a man, and you is one of them, so I, I kind of know what you're going through. Somebody this morning is struggling to believe in salvation. How is it that simple that I can believe with all my whole heart upon Jesus and what he did on the cross, and my name can be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Somebody is struggling to believe that. Somebody is struggling this morning to believe that God can heal my body. I got a doctor report and the doctor says there's no hope. And they begin to struggle to believe. Oh, some days they can believe it with all of their heart. And other days they're, they're thinking it's over and it's done. Somebody this morning is struggling to believe that God is able to restore their marriage. In fact, they go so far that you throw it away and just forget about it. And settle for the life that I've got now and I'm just going to go on. Somebody is struggling to believe that God is going to save their child and 
bring them in to be redeemed. Somebody's struggling to believe that God is going to deliver them from a bondage that they're carrying even this morning that nobody else knows about. I want you to know this morning, oh, I may not have called yours off, but the fact of the matter is each and every one of us has struggled to believe that God is, that God will, that God can, and that God is able. We struggled. Somebody is struggling to believe that God loves me. But I want to give you a truth this morning. Here's why we can't get away from the truth that Jesus is the answer and Jesus is the only way. I want to go to John chapter 16 and verse number 8. I don't know if I give you that text or not, but thank you. I want to show you something very briefly. I'm not going to hold you long. I know we got things going on and families have got Easter dinner planned, but this is important. Let's look at this. And when he has come, Jesus talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, he's going to reprove the world. If I stop right there, he's going to reprove the world. The Holy Spirit, listen, you know that Jesus is a man that cannot lie. And he says he's going to reprove the world when he comes. You see, the Holy Spirit came after Jesus had ascended back to the Father. He couldn't come until Jesus had done his work, but after he ascended back to the Father. I want you to know, it says when he has come, he's here. The Holy Spirit is here in the world today. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, the world. The word reprove means this. He's going to convict. He's going to convince you. He's going to tell of our faults. That's what it means in the Strong's. Aren't you glad he tells me of my faults and not everybody else? Amen. Because I promise you, you get an earful. And he's going to prove to us what is sin in our own heart, our own life. He's going to prove to us what is right righteousness and he's going to prove to us that there's a judgment coming to all that reject him here's why that i have confidence this morning of a biblical assurance that i can give you a truth that jesus is the answer and that deep down in your heart of hearts though you may struggle to believe that truth is not going to leave easily the Holy Spirit is going to and deal with us over and over again. The writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, but King James says our faith, the original text says of the faith, and it literally means that he's the chief leader. He's given unto all men an undeniable, perfect example to believe upon him. If you believe Romans 1 and 3, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, or chapters 1 through 3, all of us have sinned. If you don't believe that, I can't take you any further. But if you believe that this morning, we find as the Apostle Paul begins to pointing us to the author and the finisher of our faith, pointing us to Jesus, the chief leader, the chief cornerstone that give us the foundation to believe upon. And the Holy Spirit, right now in the world today, I want you to think about this. Here's what he's doing. He's moving upon the hearts according to the Word of God, and I just happen to believe the Word of God.
And I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done. The Holy Spirit right now is moving upon every individual heart at some time or another. And do you know what he's doing? He's convincing you. He's convincing you that you're lost without Christ. He's convincing you that we have sinned and we've been separated from God. He's convincing you this morning that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. He's convincing you this morning that if if you're a believer, that if you will continue to believe that healing is in the atonement. He's convincing you that, yes, you can be delivered from whatever you're bound by. You know what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's moving upon the hearts of every individual that's here that's listening to me this morning. And he's saying, your natural man is wrong your rationalization is wrong. Everything that you, every excuse you've come up with is wrong. The fact of the matter is, the truth is, unless we surrender our heart and our life to God, that we will be forever separated from God. That's what he's doing. And I believe in that work. Through the, though the struggle is there, you'll never convince me this morning That you can shut off that still small voice that is setting at the heart, your heart's door, pointing you to Christ. I won't believe you. I won't believe you. For me to believe you is to not believe the Word of God that the Holy Spirit is doing that work. The disciples struggled. We have struggled. The sinner struggles. The believer struggles. Because we're having to move from the natural to a spiritual truth. And at some point, we have to surrender to the Lord. Or we have to reject. And reject is something we don't want to do because our conscience will sear over as with a hot iron. Because he has conquered death and the grave. We can be more than a conqueror by placing our faith in Jesus. And what he did on the cross of Calvary. I want you to hear me. Brother Jeff's coming. Listen. I just came to give you a simple truth this morning. My job is to deliver a truth. The Holy Spirit's job is to move upon your heart. And I've been praying. There's been a lot of people praying for this service. That God would do just that. I want you to know this morning. That I love you with the love of Christ. I love you with the love of Christ. And I don't know who you are, and I don't know maybe where you've come from, and I don't know your relationship with the Lord and where you stand with God. But I want to tell you this morning that that still small voice knocking on your heart is there is because God refuses to give up on you. He refuses to give up on you. God loves you. Jesus died. He rose again on the third day. So that you could live life eternally with him. That's his plan in the beginning. That's his plan today. And his plan will never change. He has come to give us life. This morning, I just want you to know, I don't care who you are or where you come from. Jesus loves you. He died for you. I'm not making light of your struggle. Understand that. You know, I don't know your background. I don't know what you went through as a child. 
I don't know what you're going through as an adult. I have no idea. I know that I won't make light of it. I've had conversations that caused my jaw to drop, literally, when I didn't know what to say. In fact, I've told them that. My friend, I don't know what to tell you. I have no words, except I'll pray for you. But I want you to know this morning, the Holy Spirit is waiting for an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I believe, and surrender your heart to Him. <laughs> the struggle to believe is real. But the Holy Spirit is there to help you this morning. I want to ask you to stand with me all across the room. Your head bowed and your eyes closed as he's still playing softly. I just come to ask you this morning. If you're here and you've struggled to believe, I got to tell you that you're not alone. Because the one that sits right beside you, they've struggled to believe also. And nobody here that hadn't went through this struggle of trying to rationalize the spirit man with what is in the natural. How can I place my faith in Jesus and be born again? Because the Bible says so. And the Holy Spirit is confirming that truth to you. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, well, they shall be saved. They shall not be ashamed. They shall be redeemed by the blood of Christ. This morning, the Easter message needs no added to. The resurrection message doesn't need to be helped in any way. The truth is, Jesus was crucified for you. He was buried for you. And he was resurrected so that we would have life. And I'm just here to tell you this morning, we've struggled to believe at times. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit continues to move upon the heart of the man to confirm God's word. Though we may struggle, if we'll hold on and keep our faith in Jesus, it's all going to be worth it after all. If you're here this morning, and you'd be honest and you say, I'm not where I need to stand with Jesus. I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. That's my struggle. My relationship with God is not what it needs to be. That's my struggle. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up and put it right back down because this week when I pray, I remember hands that went up. And I'm going to be saying, God, move upon that one that raised their hand. And Lord, in the middle aisle, move upon that one. And Lord, on my left, move upon that one and help them this morning. Let the voice of the Holy Spirit ring true and continue to sound in their ear. If you're here this morning and you say, that's me, I'm struggling, would you slip your hand up? God, thank you for this hand, this hand, this hand, this hand. God, hands all over the building. Lord, I'm here and I struggle. Thank you for this hand, Lord. 
Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Say, I'm here and I've struggled. Come on, would you slip your hand up and ride back down? We've all been there. We may not raise our hand, but we've all been there. But my priority this morning is to pray for those that has a broken relationship. Thank you, God, for that hand. Anybody else will slip their hand up and ride back down real quickly. Thank you, God, for that hand. Anybody else? God, I've struggled. I've struggled to believe. Here's what I want to do this morning, and I feel led to do. In a message such as this, it doesn't point anybody out because it includes all of us. It includes every single person. But you're here this morning. You slipped your hand up and you say, that's me, I've struggled to believe. I want to ask you to be bold this morning. Maybe take your neighbor by the hand. I don't know what it would be. But I'm going to ask you to make a walk and come down here and stand across the front that we may pray for you this morning. You've already come halfway. You've already acknowledged, say, I've struggled. Why don't you let us pray with you this morning that God would move upon There's people coming already. Why don't you take your neighbor by the hand? You don't have to come alone. Guys, come. We'll, bring the, we'll make the first step. Come on, would you come? Hands went up all across this building. Come on, would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? I've struggled to believe. But this morning, I want to pray that God would help me, that he would restore me today. Come on, would you come? Young men, young women, come on. There's others that raise their hand. You're not alone. There's many that raise their hand. Why don't you come this morning? Come on, I've struggled. Come on, anybody else? I'm fishing to ask the church together behind you. Are you here and you slipped your hand up? Would you come? Grab your neighbor. They won't know who it is. Grab somebody beside you. Grab a family member and come stand by them. Bring them. Come on, anybody else, real quickly. Real quickly. All right, going to ask family to stand with family. Friends, stand with friends. And then church family together behind. Come on, I don't care if you fill the aisles up. It's a great time to support your brother, your sister. Come on, we tarry just a moment. Here's what I feel led to do. You came this morning, you raised your hand, you came, and you said, that's me, I've struggled. I want to lead you in a simple prayer, asking God to help us, to forgive us, to restore us. I want you to know this morning that simply repeating a prayer has never done anything for anybody except we believe it from the heart. The Lord moves upon faith. 
And the moment that we believe and our faith is mixed with our prayer, the Lord can answer that prayer. God can move upon that prayer. What I want to do this morning with everybody can hear me today, I want to lead you in this simple prayer. And then when we're done, I want those that are around you, those in front of you and behind you, I want them to lay their hands upon you. And I want them to pray that God would help you from this day forward. Because I want you to know this church is for you. This church stands with you. You've not come up here alone. We've all been here. But God is faithful to help those that call out to him. This morning, let me lead you in this simple prayer. Will you bow your head with me this morning? Heavenly Father, here I stand in need of help. God, I've struggled to believe upon you. I have struggled with my faith. Lord, I have tried to make sense in the natural, but it never lines up with what your word says. But this morning, putting the natural man aside, I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. Right now, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to help me. I ask you to give me strength. Though I may struggle, help me, God, to take one more step and then one more step, and then one more step, and to walk this great walk of faith. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Church body, would you lay your hands up on them? Pray for your family. Pray for your friends that God would help them this morning. Oh, sinner, oh, sinner, to the land. If you are blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.